everyone, I'm Paul Durham, and welcome to another episode of From the Market Square, presented by Sheehan Finney. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know that every month I sit down with entrepreneurs and community leaders from around the seacoast. We call this a business law podcast, but rather than listening to me talk about legal issues, it's really an opportunity for me to let our guests do the talking so that you can hear their stories. And whenever possible, I try to invite guests whose stories you may not have heard before. We've talked a lot lately about how existing companies have adapted and pivoted to address the challenges presented by the COVID-19 pandemic. But it's easy to forget that new businesses have opened their doors during these unprecedented times. Jessica Blasco is the owner of the refill station here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. The refill station is a source for refillable, reusable, sustainable household products for customers looking to reduce their plastic footprint. Jessica had originally intended to open her shop stores in time for Earth Day 2020, but COVID had other plans. She adapted her business model, and the shop eventually opened this past fall and is now open to the public three days a week. Jessica is from New Hampshire, has a doctorate in physical therapy, and ran her own physical therapy practice for many years before opening the refill station. She was nice enough to welcome me into her shop on a cold winter night, but the space's bright green chalkboard signage, metal ceiling, and earthy colors reminded me of a really cool potting shed and had me thinking of spring. Jessica's passionate about her business and its place in the community, and I enjoyed getting to know her. I hope you will too. So welcome, Jessica. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled and Happy to be here. Yeah, I, sh- I should mention that we are masked up and, uh, and, and, and having our good. So if we sound a little muffled, that's that's why. But mm-hmm. but I think the sound generally is pretty good. So we are at the refill station. And I've been since I walked in the door about five minutes ago, I think I've just been commenting how kind of cool the space is, even though it's small, it's intimate, but it's got such a great feel to it. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, like I mentioned, it really was a bit of a labor of love and yeah. sweat equity. My whole family really got on board to help make this come to fruition. So as I said to you earlier, my dad and myself and my husband were in here one day putting up the metal ceilings that you mm-hmm. see when you come in and my cousin fabricated all of our great metal shelving units. My husband and I sanded them all down and oiled the shelves themselves, which actually came from wood that was milled off our property. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So it's really been, um, my dad was instrumental in so much of this. He would come in and paint floors for me and paint walls and (laughs) do so much. So it really has been a family effort to get it to come together. That's wonderful. And I want to talk with you more about just sort of how you got here, how you started the business. Um, But before we get into that, can you talk to me a little bit about you know what the refill station does because it was it was relatively new to me the whole idea and the concept i'd love to you know sort of hear more about it i guess the sort of catchphrases that you will hear used more and more often these days are we are a low waste sustainable store Mm -hmm. so our mission is to reduce our plastic footprint and how we do that is we offer you household or personal care products that you can either refill your plastic containers you already have, so you're not purchasing new ones, or we offer you alternatives that don't have any plastic involved. And that's sort of ultimately, you know, we can obviously talk more about it, but that's sort of the foundation of what we are and who we are. Yeah, now is, is I, I used the term, I think, when we were talking, a refillable movement. Like, right. I don't want to take credit for that, but is there such a thing as sort of a refillable movement that's yes. going on? Right. Yes, yeah. there definitely, these stores are popping up more and more all over the place. I mean, I first got some of my inspiration from 
talking to my former hairdresser who used to go to one on the west coast but there's one in south portland there's actually one right over the bridge in kittery there's one down in newburyport and in cambridge and more and more on instagram and social media i find more and more people following me who are starting them all over the country in ohio and north carolina and mm -hmm. all over the place so it's definitely this growing movement Sure. When you, you come in, so I'm, I'm looking around and I see that you have, I mean, you obviously have refillable containers on the shelves mm -hmm. and you also have sort of like the, the drums, you know, full of, of different things that you would re, refill. I'm doing a terrible job of describing this, but, <laughs> the, but the drums fill of different things that you, you would fill up the containers with. But, you know, how does it, your typical customers, how does it work? What do they, do they buy the containers from you originally? Is it subscription based? I mean, talk a little bit about your, your business model for them. So it's sort of all of the above, mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest. Um, so a typical person will come in. Oftentimes, if they know what we do, they bring in their own containers from home. They're already ready to go. If they don't, that's perfectly fine. We have a library of free containers that have been sanitized that they can grab one and use those. And then they just look around the store and figure out what they need. So whether that's laundry soap or dish soap, or we have refillable lotions or hand sanitizer, they weigh their container when it's empty, they fill it, and then we weigh it again once it's full. So they just pay for the ounces that they pump. We also have options where they can buy containers that are already pre-filled, see if they like the product, and then if they do, come back and refill it next time. So it's sort of a mix of all different options. There's a lot of different types of products here, and I know we, we chatted a little bit beforehand, but how do you select the, the products that you offer here? I mean, how do you sort of curate what's offered? So I would say initially when I started thinking about the refill station, my focus had really been on household items mm -hmm. because those were just big bulky clear plastic things in our house so right your laundry soap yeah. and your dishwasher detergent yep. and your dish soap so those were really my first sort of foundational products that i was thinking about and i tried to find companies and what i still continue to do that are like-minded so they're earth friendly you know all our products are plant-based so you're not going to find a lot of harsh chemicals or any of those kinds of things that can be not only harsh to ourselves, but also to the environment. Mm -hmm. And then from there, once we started having an interest in personal care products, you know, we started expanding. And I've really tried to find companies that not only have our same values, but also have motivation to help the greater good, because that's also one of our goals. Mm -hmm. So lots of our companies, part of their proceeds get donated to various organizations. We have bamboo toilet paper and paper towels in here and both of those companies support sanitation in places that have underdeveloped sanitation oh, so they're wonderful. trying to help yeah. you know prevent the spread of disease through poor sanitation and we have a company that's based in california and part of her proceeds help disabled women and underprivileged women in nepal a lot of these companies help to provide sustainable living wages so they have you know criteria about what they set for mm -hmm. their employees so that's another focus and then obviously finding a lot of just locally grown or regionally based companies or little people, you know, yeah, the little small, guys like us who sure. are just yeah. trying to do what we can to help the greater good and help our environment and our community. And so that's what we look for. A lot of our companies are women owned, are family started, minority owned, mm -hmm. um, a lot of, you know, just trying to give everybody an equal opportunity to get their stuff out there and do some good for 
the greater good. <laughs> sure. And it helps you, I imagine, you know, networking within that community of like-minded business owners is probably, I imagine there's a great energy there, right? When every, especially if they're local in whether it's New Hampshire or New England, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I think there's a motivation for us all just to collectively succeed and try to shift people's mindset a bit and get them to think that this idea can be more mainstream, these products can be more mainstream. Right. Um, and it's interesting because once you sort of open a door in one place, it might open five or six more doors to mm -hmm. some other people that are doing some interesting things or different things. And so it really is this just continually growing community of people who are all motivated to try right. to push this idea forward. Right. And I mean, and you know, that's always helpful, especially when you're a sole, you're not a sole proprietor, but you are, you're right. a sole business owner, right? You're the, right. you're the sole owner. And, and I mean, again, you mentioned, do you have a lot of support from, you know, from your family and folks like that? You're also not a first time business owner. So I, I'm going to ask you a little bit about that as well, but, <laughs> sure. but sort of going backwards here, you know, how did you become inspired to open the, you know, the refill station? What made you interested in this, you know, in opening a store like this? How, how did that come about? Well, so as you said, I, my sort of other life or alter ego or however you want to think about it is I'm a physical therapist yep. so I think there's definitely always been a motivation to help people in some way mm -hmm. I've also grew up in New Hampshire so I had the good fortune of growing up you know swimming in our lakes and hiking in the whites and just being outside a ton as a kid you know I am definitely one of those kids from the generation where mom was always like, get outside, play. go play, go play. <laughs> so the natural world has always been really important to me. And I also feel very fortunate that I grew up in a family where we composted mm -hmm. and we always had the garden every summer that we ate a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables out of and we recycled, which we thought we were doing the right thing at the time. You know, we've right. since learned maybe that wasn't the best. So I think all of those pieces sort of came together in a way that just started making me realize I really enjoy being a PT, but I want to help people on a more community, broader scale. Mm -hmm. And the natural world and the environment has always been really important to me. Um, and I think I started to feel more, or I know I started to feel more of an urgency as I started to have my own kids and think about, okay, I know the world I grew up in. It's already changed since I was a kid. What's it going to look like by the time my kids are there or my age? Sure. Um, and so all of those factors just sort of were the catalyst to what can I do to really start making a change now and having an impact. Yeah. You, you told me your story about Hawaii, too. <laughs> like I thought, I'm like, you have to tell the Hawaii story, because that's not that it's I, a yeah, happy no, story. That but was I mean, really yeah, a, yeah. A one of those mo like aha moments for us. Yes, as I told you, we had the good fortune to go and visit cousins who were stationed in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And I just had this very uh, visceral reaction when I remember we were walking the beach one day and my husband is very artistic and we were collecting what we initially thought was beach glass and he was sort of making this little sea turtle in the sand for me because sea turtles have a very close spot in my heart. And as we were sort of doing this, we started looking at the pieces and realized we were actually picking up tiny pieces of plastic mm -hmm. and not just beach glass. Right. And you know, as you and I kind of talk about beach glass isn't necessarily the best thing either, but I always kind of have this weird thought that, well, at least glass comes from sand, so maybe it's when it's worn down, it's sort of going back to the earth, right. but plastic we know isn't going anywhere. Right. Um, so that was just one of those, as I said, aha, but sort of heartbreaking moments to 
be in paradise that was littered by plastic. It would just sort of, okay, we need to do something. Like, right. how are we going to shift this? Yeah. One of these days, I'll be able to have a podcast that doesn't, that where we don't talk about COVID. <laughs> right? And, yeah. and the, oh. Right? And the effect that it's had on, on, on people's businesses. Right. Um, but, you know, one of, you know, one of the reasons why I, I thought it would be interesting to chat with you is because you're somebody who's launched a business the time of COVID or after COVID. So can you tell me a little bit about sort of, you know, I mean, that's it's a big question, right? I mean, you started plans to open your space before March of last yes. year, right? Yes. Right. Originally, our hope had been that we would open, well, our latest goal was to be open by Earth Day. Mm-hmm. If we weren't open by Earth Day, that would be our grand opening, or at least our grand opening event, if we had already opened our doors. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, obviously, COVID hit, and that just sort of right. brought everything to a screeching halt. Right. Um, you know, in those initial days, for so many, just not knowing... Mm-hmm. How long is this going to last? What happens next? What does this mean when everything was locked down? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we weren't doing anything. And then once it started to shift a little bit and we saw this was going to be a long-term mm-hmm. pandemic that we were all going to kind of have to refigure how we would function in, um, then it really became, okay, well, we have two small kids at home, so what are we going to do for childcare? How mm-hmm. are we going to be open you know, how will hours work? What will that look like? Do we need to be doing other things besides just being a physical space? Because knowing we're a small space, it's not like we can let a lot of people in here, right, you know, right. two, three people max. And then we've sort of maxed out how many people we should really have in here at any given time. So then it started shifting the gears of mm-hmm. what else can we do? What else can we offer to make this work? Yeah. I mean, how did you work through that? Because, you know, again, I imagine, you know, I wasn't starting a business, you know, during during that time. And a lot of clients that I work with, you know, were, had their existing businesses that they were trying to pivot and, and trying to adapt to. But do you think, was it helpful that you hadn't necessarily opened and then had to adapt your business practices or you could, you know, roll out taking into account COVID? I mean, it just must have been enormously difficult and, and, and stressful and everything else, right? I mean, how did you manage to, I mean, you managed to do it sitting here. How did, how'd you, how'd you get through that? I would say yes, just to answer your question, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was stressful. It was a struggle. It encouraged us to be creative, which mm-hmm. I think was one of the really great aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the fact that, I mean, you know, and we kind of just picked up cues from what everybody else was doing. Well, everybody started offering curbside. So of course we would offer curbside, yeah. you know, we had to, I think that was one of the things that became very clear very quickly is mm-hmm. that we need to have a really strong website mm-hmm. so that people could come and see what we could do and they could purchase things online if they wanted and they could have a plan if they weren't comfortable with coming into the store how we could still accommodate them and still try to you know pursue this mission that we were trying to pursue as the refill station then I think other things it was just sort of more fun to think about so it hasn't really taken off for us yet but we do offer a delivery service mm-hmm. and the idea for that was sort of inspired by like the old milkman when my mom was growing up you know right. you leave your bottles out front we'll come grab them we'll fill them up and then we'll drop them back off for you a day or two later sure um so just sort of starting to think like oh yeah that could be fun like there are other ways that we could still do this even if we're not yeah. physically here at the space or people aren't physically coming into the space i have been pleasantly surprised that I've actually had a fair amount of shipping orders that people are just interested and whether they're you know somewhat local but don't want to come or whether they're further away but are interested in the products we have so that is an avenue of the business that I did not initially think would 
be part of my business model really to be honest and now i've just had to modify my website to account for shipping and in those pieces being you know being nimble and being able to adapt is a big part of it Absolutely. did you take advantage of any any sources of you know aid at either at the state level or the federal you know any resources that were out there at all or not so much well from a collaborative sort of idea perspective I feel fortunate that my husband and i have both been in portsmouth long enough that mm-hmm. we know a lot of small business owners around yeah. here valuing our community so much and all of our small businesses even if we didn't know them before we've got to know a lot of local owners from frequenting their shops prior to covid sure so i think i definitely tapped into the resources from them just about okay how are you managing this or what are you doing or um, those kinds of pieces from a financial standpoint i haven't pursued those options so much because i think i'm too new a lot of those um, eligibility requirements were that you've been open for a year or whatever. So looking back at I haven't, and, yeah, yeah, pursued yeah. some of that stuff so much. You know, you obviously come from you know a family of entrepreneurs. I mean, and you have business running your physical therapy practice as a PT. I mean, you're in the service industry, right? right. It's, 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 it really, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's an element of services here, although it's a little bit different. What do you find different about about this this business as opposed to your your PT practice? Um, I think one of the biggest differences that I noticed is just the physical inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me as a PT, it wasn't really easy, but once people knew what I did and once people started coming to see me and found the benefits and the progress that they wanted, then it was literally just find a space to stick a table and have some room to start teaching people how to do stuff and just you and your knowledge and your skills that you have as a physical therapist. This is what do people want trying to anticipate what products will they like how much do i get of something the accessibility to things the hours of being a retail shop and especially just in this culture where people you know can so often get things anytime they want Um, and just so how do i operate during a pandemic obviously i'm not going to meet those needs but how do i make people interested enough and motivated to sort of say okay I can shift a little bit about how I do things right. because this is of value to me or this is important to me or yeah. those kinds of things. You know, it's funny. I would, I would ask you what some of your biggest challenges are, but, you know, <laughs> maybe it's, I'm sure there are lots, but, you know, obviously just having to sort of turn your whole business model upside down and adapt on the fly to, uh, you know, to a pandemic is, uh, I imagine, a pretty big challenge. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest ones. And then just marketing, you know, trying to figure out how to effectively get our name out there, Um, which I know that's the other piece for me. As a PT, once Mm -hmm. you sort of tap into a doctor or a patient group, you just all of a sudden there's everybody seems to know about you very quickly. Yeah. Um, And I think partly because we're in a pandemic and partly maybe because we're located. I love where I am, but we're sort of not in Market Square or not right out on Islington Street. Um, you know, we're a little bit, you have to know where we are to find. Because you're not going to get foot traffic. Right? No, yeah. not nearly yeah. like you would, right. you know, on Congress right. Street or something like that. Right. So um, I think that's been one of our tricks. And then just staying true to our mission as we explore those marketing options, right? Mm-hmm. So we have this big, giant plastic sandwich board Mm -hmm. which is something that i posted about when i first stuck it out there like i've had it for over 12 years now i've had it since you know i started my first pt practice but i'm sure some people would say why does a store with a mission (laughs) to reduce their plastic footprint have a giant plastic sandwich board well 
We're reusing it. We're oh, not right. throwing yeah, it away. You're not throwing it away. Know? Yeah. So it's, you've used it for 12 years. And right. You, yeah. Exactly. We're getting its life yeah. out of it. Um, but that comes up with a lot of things, right? Stickers. Lots of people are saying, oh, do you have a sticker or label that I could put on my bottle so that I can write down what what's in it? Yeah, I, that's something I want to do. Absolutely. But trying to find a source of a sticker that's you know, the sticker is a little more environmentally friendly. That sure. doesn't you leave this huge plastic footprint. Some of those very traditional marketing things, I am really sort of considering twice or trying to rethink about how we do them to stick true to who we are and, and what our goals are. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, have you talked with any other potential corporate or commercial partners, whether it's restaurants or, or businesses who are like-minded or, or want to be more environmentally conscious about refilling their products that they that they use? I mean, even if it's just things like the hand soap in the bathrooms or something, you know, something like that. Have you, have you had any discussions um, like, like that? Not specifically yet. So restaurants are definitely on my list mm-hmm. of people to reach out to. Um, I did reach out to a lot of our local cleaning companies who advertise themselves as eco-cleaning companies just to say, hey, we have products here. Would that be something you'd consider doing? If Mm -hmm. I could get you a reasonable price, that would work for both of us. You could just come here and refill. Um, And unfortunately, at this point, I haven't received a lot of response from them yet, which I am hopefully optimistic will shift. You know, I just feel like for all of us, covid has just right. everybody's just trying to just get through get yeah by. so yeah and again sort of why i haven't approached a lot of the restaurants well, restaurants yet. they're they're just a lot of to, them are hibernating right now and, yeah. but that is that's one of my goals probably one of my biggest goals for the refill station is to really be a community space so people can come and talk about ideas and we can support mm-hmm. initiatives to really make this a more of a community thing even if you don't come to the refill station that's fine but mm-hmm. if you know, you have a mission to get everybody composting. I'd love to help support you in doing that. Or if you have, sure. you know, whatever your goals are. So yeah. that's part of our long-term plan is to really help push just educating people and making people think more about how plastic is part of their life. Right, right. I give you all the credit in the world. Fun about doing a podcast like this is, you know, I can talk to business people at all different stages and all different levels and i just think it's really really interesting and admirable what you know what you're doing all the you know all the challenges that you faced as a new as an experienced but new business owner mm-hmm. in this in this past year all the credit in the world to you and, and oh, best of you. luck so how can people find the refill station whether it's online or anywhere else what's the best way for people to reach out get a hold of you or find you um well definitely you can go to our website mm-hmm. which is www.therefillstationnh.com mm-hmm. um we are on instagram with that same handle the refill station nh you know please feel free to stop in the shop on Mm -hmm. the days we're open which right now will be tuesday thursday and saturday but we're hoping in the springtime maybe to start thinking about expanding those hours um you can always email me you can do that through our website there's a link or give the shop a call too if you have any questions or concerns always happy to chat and talk to people about whatever that's great that's great and i know i will um when i go home i'm I'm gonna talk to my wife and see what we can (laughs) we can can get from here that's great and we'll see what we can do about those corporate partnerships yeah that would be great too yeah Uh, well thanks again jessica you've you've been terrific and thanks for uh, thanks for joining me oh thank you so much for taking the time to come see the refill station really appreciate it For today's episode of From the Market Square, 
I'm Paul Durham. We're she and Finney. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast, leaving a review, and sharing it with others who might enjoy it. Of course, no podcast produced by lawyers would be complete without a legal disclaimer. So here goes. Any views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of she and Finney and should not be construed as legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. This podcast is not intended to create, and your listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon anything expressed without seeking professional legal counsel. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I hope you'll join us again.